Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. I've got my special little morning coffee that I waited patiently to have until we recorded. And then you were just telling me off mic that I've transformed your coffee experience. You truly have. The milk frother feels like the most luxurious thing that I own, literally. Every morning I'm so excited to get out of bed. And you were saying, what do you make it with? Do you make it with a all a press, an espresso? Aero <laughs> press. One of those Italian things that you put on the stove. I have an electric stove, so I couldn't even use that. But um, no, just good old-fashioned Nescafe Blend 43, baby. I love I it. I find that so funny. <laughs> I don't know anyone under the age of like 80 years old that uses that drinks. It's instant coffee, right? Yeah, and it's like the worst instant coffee. I got Zach to get me some the other day and he got me like a nicer one and I was disappointed. It was like a gold blend or something. <laughs> Does he drink sad. that? No. Just you. He's a barista boy all the way. Yeah, just me. But I like it. I like it more than barista coffee. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't like the taste of barista coffee. It's like too it's like too good. <laughs> That's hilarious. So you use your gorgeous Nespresso milk frother that I sent Grace as a little treat because I was using one at my friend's house when I first moved here. And then I was like, it's literally life-changing and bought myself one and then sent Grace one. But I can't believe you use it with instant coffee. Nespresso would Nespresso would roll, turn in his grave. George Clooney would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I literally walked past like a sign the other day of George Clooney and he was dropping out of the air or something for the new ad. And I was like, this is so embarrassing. Like, why does he do this? Did he, I know, I know it's a lot of money, but. I He's had no idea that George fuck. Clooney became famous from ER. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
I think maybe I kind of knew that. I'm reading a book. I'm reading I'm reading two books, one we're going to talk about later, but I'm reading this book here called Maybe You Should Talk to Someone. And it's this woman called Laurie Gottlieb, and she's a therapist, and she's writing about her patients and her going to therapy. Oh. So it's like, a, it's like a therapist writing about therapy and her own therapy. Is she the Atlantic lady? They do like an ask column. Yeah, I think so, actually, now that, now that you say that, because I'm looking at her name and I recognize it. I would love to read that. But she first worked, <laughs> what I've learned so far is that she first worked in production in Hollywood and that George Clooney got his start on ER. Interesting. They all start in Hollywood and he's a nepo, but like in a very mild way. Would you buzz? I wouldn't out of respect to Amal, but I also think I just wouldn't. Whatever. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> George. I'm not yeah. a George girl. He's too. George is like the barista coffee of men. I need a Nescafe <laughs> blend 43 man. <laughs> a little rougher around the edges. I and I know what you mean. I, I feel like I need to like bring up a Google image search of the man. I can't even really picture what he looks like. I just feel like I would bust because everyone, because the culture tells me I should. Yeah. We're being gaslit. George Clooney's the, one, two, three. <laughs> George Clooney's the sixth George that comes up when you type George. But Hein, George Washington, George Santos, George Soros, George Floyd, George Washington Carver. George Washington Carver. George Washington Carver is an American agricultural scientist. <laughs> and, then we have, and then we have Clooney. Clooney is hot when he has a beard, not when he smiles, when he's clean shaven. He looks like a chipmunk. He needs to be president. I just, I just feel like he has the face of a president. He belongs on a coin and a mile needs to be first lady. I'm sure he would win. Why doesn't he run? Same. I think he will at some point, I suspect. But yeah, I saw this tweet about, it was basically saying that Hollywood has like internalized the male gaze so much that the men we're told to find hot are like male gaze men. Like, you know, those six white men like Matthew Bomer and I don't even know who the other ones are and they all have all the, the same Chris's. face. Yeah. And Henry Cavill. It's like no women I know find them hot but they just shoved down our mm. throats. Because they look like superheroes and men think they're hot because they're, they're really ripped and big. Men think they're hot because they have like pretty feminine faces and yeah, like big bodies. They're like homoerotic <laughs> yeah. figures of desire. That's so true. Women want like... You want Spike from Notting Hill. Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not the every woman. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't be asked. <laughs> I I was telling you this off mic, but I'm seeing a little life on Saturday, the play, and the guy in it. That sounds so depressing. Why have they made it into a play? Why am I paying 80 pounds to see it? To be miserable and disturbed. But James Norton's in it, who's like a quite a hot actor. Um so it's going to be confronting. Lots of Googling going on on this end. James <laughs> Norton. Oh, yeah. He's – what the fuck's he off? Yeah, what's he in? He's off – he's off nothing on his IMDb that I have seen. But he's in – oh, he's in Little Women. 
He's in Little Women. Mm. That's where I know him from. Greta Gerwig's Little Women. And speaking of Greta Gerwig, good old segue. Yes. <laughs> the Barbie the Barbie stuff's out. Crazy amount of stars. Crazy amount of Barbies. So there's 11 Barbies. <laughs> and all of the Barbies on the poster, which I love so much, all of the Barbies on the poster have different things that they do. So Issa Rae, of course, is president, which is my favorite Barbie, naturally. <laughs> Issa Rae is president. This Barbie is a lawyer. Is this woman called Sharon Rooney? I don't actually know who that is. Dua Lipa, this Barbie is a mermaid. <laughs> Emma Mackey from Sex Education, this Barbie has a Nobel Prize in physics. Gorgeous. I love so much that she cast Emma Mackey because I thought it was like a nod to her being Margot's doppelganger, but I feel like they're not even leaning into that at all. And she just cast like three different people from sex education. Yeah. Yeah. There's three people from sex education. That's so crazy. And then um, all the kins are just kins. <laughs> He's another kin. He's another kin. Mitch. I didn't remember Barbie had a best friend called Mitch. And then I was in the cut comments and, and people were like going off at people who didn't remember Who Mitch. the fuck is Midge? Midge is Barbie's best friend. And everyone, like someone in the cut comments was like, I cannot believe all you fucking idiots that don't remember Midge. <laughs> and then there was a guy. So um, Michael, Sarah, Sarah, yeah. Sarah is playing Alan, who was Ken's best friend, but he got discontinued like really quickly. <laughs> I think they only had him for like a year and then he got discontinued. Who would want to buy Ken's best friend, Alan, as a doll? That person should have been fired. Alan? Alan? <laughs> I didn't even have a Ken doll. Did you? Didn't you? No. I loved having Barbie and Ken and I had the little um, car... And I had I had so many Barbies and I had and I used to um chop their hair off. Yes. Yes. I, I remember we just moved to Australia and I must have been like four or five and my um grandma sent over like a care package and I remember I opened it and it was a Barbie pink caravan. And when I opened the back, chocolate fell out. And I literally think that was the happiest moment of my entire life. <laughs> That's like my first core memory of experiencing happiness. It was like a capitalist mm. dream, like nightmare. But the I had the big, it was like a Barbie minivan. It had all the stuff, just all the accessories, all the stuff. I know. It was the best ever. I was, I was like never, ever not with Barbie, <laughs> not with my Barbie. I love so much. So, so they released all of the posters. Margot, there's Ryan, there's Dua. There's Emma Mackey, which would be cool to see. Issa Rae, who I obviously love. And then, oh, Hari Neff. Yes, Hari Neff. And Hari Neff posted this great thing on um, Instagram. Did you see? Yeah, saying that um, she got cast, but then there was like a scheduling conflict. Yeah, and she like wrote an email to Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie and like basically just begged them to change the schedule of shooting to fit her in and just said like how much it would mean to – her as like a young trans kid who grew up with Barbie. So it's so special that they did make it work. I love Hari. Yeah, and she was saying that when she was younger, they they called themselves the dolls to try and like reclaim it. Yeah. 
and how much it would mean for, to her. So it's so amazing that she got to be in it. Um, but yeah, none of the guys I'm that excited about. Yeah. But I don't think this is movie for the guys anyway. Um, and, and then the trailer came out a few hours later. I love so much how in the trailer she steps out of her shoes and her foot stays in the Barbie shape. Yeah. So good. Uh, Greta Gerwig is so smart. There would just be so many ways that a Barbie movie could be done badly, but I just have so much confidence in her to just do something really fucking clever and funny and original. And when Ryan Gosling, when Ken was like, I thought I might stay over tonight. And she was like, why? (laughs) And he was like, because we're boyfriend and girlfriend. She was like, to do what? (laughs) And her smile. And he's like, I'm actually not sure. Someone on YouTube was like, it feels like a movie version of whatever plot lines I had going on playing with my Barbie dolls as a kid. And I love that. I feel like it could actually be a really genius film. And it's almost like the Barbies, their plot lines and thing is like what kids are doing playing with them. Or is like, let's have a sleepover. Like we used to do that with Barbie and Ken. You'd be like, let's have a sleepover. But we didn't even know what sex was. And Ken was like a sexless dolphin. (laughs) (laughs) yeah but um i think actually it has a plot because (laughs) (laughs) on the cut it said that barbie gets expelled from barbie land for being a less than perfect doll and then she sets off for the human world to find true happiness so that i think that's the scene when barbie's in the car and then ken came with her with the rollerblades roller skates um yeah excited when is it coming out do you know july 21 i think amazing for for summer over here this is gonna be a barbie filled summer i wish i was in la for 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 that time because i feel like it'll be so i don't know it'll just be like barbie fever because there'll be billboards everywhere and it'll be summer and it'll be hot and everyone will be living barbie girls living in a barbie world i hope dua lipa releases a fucking oh she will barbie girl song absolutely that's happening will ferrell being described as mother (laughs) (laughs) so he's probably the ceo of metal yeah yeah i wonder how meta it's gonna get it's gonna be it's gonna be really good bring on july baby the return of the blockbuster will we able to go to it together no because i'll be in london so special i want to get some popcorn let's dress as bobbies yeah i'm gonna go as midge Midge, yeah (laughs) no you're blonde you have to go as barbie i'll be kin I'll be like spiritually midge. Reminding me of the trauma I have when I had to have um I had to mar- like me and my best friend used to play I don't know, did other people do this? We were getting married <laughs> and she was blonde, so she was always the girl and I was always the boy. And there's all these photos of us at the altar and I look so grumpy. <laughs> and I've got my short shaved fucking black hair. Photos of I us at the boy. No, I don't think. I'll find the photos. I don't think I got married They're crazy. Yeah. And to any of my friends. I got married to my friend Claire. <laughs> my child bride. <laughs> Even on a budget. Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. 
And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Okay, Gwyneth, I wish you well. Full stop. Yeah. So after we chatted and you convinced me that she must have been at fault. I think she's fully innocent. Yeah, I I redact. I was just I was just raising some cues. I feel like I was a better lawyer for Terry Sanderson than his own lawyer was. No, <laughs> yes, of course. Anyone would have been a better <laughs> lawyer for Terry Sanderson than Kristen. <laughs> So I, yeah, when you said the falling over thing, and obviously he's the one that's in pain, I was like, true. And then I fell over on the concrete grace. Yeah. And you can do it to yourself. You can really hurt yourself. You don't need Gwyneth. And then I saw someone react. Did you see someone um, recreate it on TikTok? No, I've been off TikTok. It was so iconic. Like, like literally skiing. The two of them on the ski slopes were recreating it and they did the voiceover of the judge being like, or the lawyers being like, you don't mind if I recreate it, do you? And then Gwyneth saying, at one point we were spooning and you can see how it happened. Yeah. They recreated it perfectly. I think he massively, I feel like he had so many people in his life like screaming at him to drop the case and just didn't do it. And now is sitting in a, a dark pool of regret but apparently someone said apparently he found out she was on the slopes and like skied towards her to try and engineer it to get a payout, which Shut up. I believe so hard. Terry Sanderson has that written all over him. And that's also hilarious. The bit that got me more than anything else is him saying, I can't believe we got it on GoPro. Yeah. And then him being like, I didn't have my GoPro that day. And it's like, okay, hun, so you're going to go to a fucking really expensive ski resort in Utah and just leave your GoPro at home for a day. Yeah. Like, you just don't do that. <laughs> if you have a GoPro and you're you, you literally, if you have a GoPro and you're taking it skiing as if you're going to, what, what are you going to do? Just leave it at home on charge. Like, why? It makes no sense. I literally want to redo the trial it. with you as Gwyneth's lawyer and me as Terry's lawyer. <laughs> yes. Hun. We need... So, <laughs> Terry, we need someone to fucking hack. We need those iCloud release 4chan the nude footage. photo hackers yeah. to hack Terry Sanderson's cloud and find the footage. Release them from jail and. <laughs> Seriously. And also, th- did you see that there was like they got some guy on the news because they couldn't figure out because they're also fucking illiterate with com- technology. They couldn't figure out how to get into the chat where Terry was chatting about crashing into Gwyneth and then they got some guy on the internet just did it oh my god and he was like yeah I just had to like sign up as a new user and then like into the chat (laughs) and they had him on the news and the news host was like so how did you do it (laughs) (laughs) everyone's so stupid everyone's so stupid that's um yeah so Gwyneth was cleared of all charges she got a symbolic one dollar from Terry she should have countersued him like what a waste of her time she's an empire to run She's running it on about seven calories a day, wasting her fucking energy. 
wasting her energy, wasting her her peace of mind. I wonder how much her lawyer's fees would have been because he's oh, going to so have to pay much. that now. He's so yeah. much. Be like quarter of a million dollars, if not more. What a fucking idiot. I know. I like, also, that's feel bad also for just, him. just, just, it's, it's a he should, a he should, he should, he, he said, she said. <laughs> <laughs> it's a he said, she said, which like we all know as women in this day and age who can't fucking like, sue for anything take anyone to court because there's no there's no evidence like you can't you just can't he was never going to win because there was no way of proving that Gwyneth did that it was just she was like he did this and he said she did that he's getting what women get every day yeah that like main character energy where you just have in your head that something's going to happen and like all of reality is telling you no and your head is just like but I I really think this might happen and everyone's like, no, no, no. He was like, That's why his girlfriend left him. I bet his girlfriend didn't even leave him because his personality, his girlfriend left him because he got obsessed with trying to get money from Gwyneth. Yeah. Yeah, he seems like a, a strange, a strange individual. And I'm glad that I'm Gwyneth famous. Him. <laughs> Gwyneth hexed him when she did that. She wasn't even wishing him well. She was like putting a fucking witch's curse on that man. seriously honestly it's amazing that she has left that trial arguably more popular and iconic than ever before Mm. nothing could have been better for her profile and people who i think i think people just even with the ski trial they just like her in spite of themselves even people who find like like privileged, goopy, wealthy people annoying. I just like, well, she's just being herself. That's it. She is just being authentic. She's authentically rich. Need to buy myself some G label. I didn't even know that existed. She does it. She did this really iconic YouTube video um, that is quite camp, actually high camp. And it's her going through her wardrobe and she's like, these are my most iconic pieces from my wardrobe. And she'll pull out like the literal dress she wore to win the Oscar and like something she wore to the Met Gala and some like iconic Calvin Klein thing from the 90s. And then she'll be like, and this is the Goop G-label cashmere card. <laughs> and she's just like trying to like seamlessly integrate these like random everyday Goop pieces into like as if she's pulled out her six most iconic looks of all time. We should be wearing the Goop label. Yeah, we should. Also, do you know that there's Goop Kitchen and you can order Goop meals? Really? Delivered to you on like Uber Eats. I would love that because I, I, I always go on, actually this is more of a recent thing since the trial, but I've been on Goop looking at recipes and they always just feel <laughs> like that bit too complicated. I don't know what to cook. I don't know what to cook ever. I don't even have two things in my repertoire. Every night is a struggle that I have to cook. I know, but we've talked about these coping techniques, one of which people have sent us all these tips as well. So saving recipes on Pocket. You use Pinterest. Why don't you save recipes on Pinterest? And then every time you think, I don't know what to cook, you go to your Pinterest and then you scroll through and you see, oh, that's right, I cooked that. I think repeat, I mean, I'm, I'm terrible too. Because my memory is like a fucking sieve. So I'll cook something and then forget it ever existed. But now, as I've told you, 
I'll take a photo when I cook something and then save it in a album. So then I can be like, that's right. I've made that before. Yeah, that's a good idea. But yeah, I bought an air fryer. Did I tell you? I bought another air fryer over here, even though. Well, I bought an air fryer in London. And then the only thing I ever used it for ever, literally, was making salmon, which you can just so easily do in the oven. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of like, why did I buy this? This extra tiny oven to cook salmon in that I could just put in the oven that I already have in my kitchen and then here in this house my kitchen's way smaller so I was like obviously if you already have this huge big oven you can't afford to put another appliance on the counter similar to you small kitchens Mm -hmm. and then I just thought I just want it I just want want it I want to put fun stuff in it and it is pretty good. I feel like you would like it because it just makes cooking so... I was going to say, so- does Amar use your one? Otherwise, I'll buy it off him. I'll buy it off you. Oh, yeah. He do- he doesn't. You should buy it. I'll buy it. Yeah. Mates rights. Mates rights. Yeah. Request me. Request me it. Yeah. I don't I'll know. get him to drop it over. He'll be like, I'm sick of doing these stupid No, I'll go. <laughs> I'll go get him. Um, he... No, he doesn't use it at all, I don't think. But, but when it arrived, like things, Grace that you just can't be bothered putting in the oven, like um, roast vegetables. So mm-hmm. I cut up sweet potato kumara. I've been like <laughs> whitewashed out of court. What did you, what did you just say? It's called kumara. <laughs> we call, that's what we used to call it in New Zealand. And I've been like whitewashed out of calling it that. Ah. But it's it's like Maori's – it's our it's our vegetable. It's our like signature vegetable. Sweet potato, kumara. Sweet potato, kumara, yeah. Is that what a yam is? When Americans say yeah. I think they're different, but I don't know how. Okay. Because they call them sweet potatoes here and then they also have yams. Okay. But I put kumara into the – I cut it up and then put it into the air fryer last night with a bit of onion um, powder, garlic powder, paprika, salt and pepper. Sh- shook it through a tiny few sprays of avocado oil. That's the other thing about an air fryer is it basically like – gives the impression of deep frying stuff but with like no oil mm. and then the sweet potato was crispy fry like within 20 minutes yeah which is just something you can't get in an oven yeah and then i made tofu crispy tofu with nutritional yeast on it that made oh it like God. super crunchy that's amazing it's really easy and you can easily cook chicken and stuff in it and zach um is a microwave conspiracy theorist so whenever i have to heat even just heating leftovers up is always such a mare and air fryers make it more delicious because of the crisp Mm -hmm. as you say Mm -hmm. so people were saying that if you have leftover fries because you ordered fries drunkenly Mm. the next day you, you can heat fries pizza anything up in it you can cook chicken in it and apparently it's super moist and nice yum Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, you should just buy mine. And then yeah. I know you're trying to stay off TikTok, which I feel like we're about to get to, but yes. um, there's lots of TikTok recipes on there okay. that I can send you. And if anyone has good air fryer recipes, send them send them our way. Yeah, yeah. I would love to know. That's exciting. Yeah, okay, so with TikTok, I literally need, like, in China apparently – they the government like legally stops you from being on TikTok for longer than an hour a day because they like want their citizens to like be productive and I need the government to do that to intervene I actually can't be trusted to regulate my own use of TikTok and I think it's beyond 
the scope of my tiny brain because this technology is just moving too fast for us to be able, like we're just slaves to it so I've had to delete it what were you watching on there that would keep you on it just I don't even know it's like so attuned to my personality mm. that I would literally sit like here on this couch and be like get up and go and make dinner and literally an hour would pass and I would still be going through and it would be a mix of celebrity pop culture analysis and then like recipes for blah 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 and then something about you know relationship advice from a Esther Perel type figure and then something about like how to be creative and then something about a fashion thing and just every single thing I wanted to see but then some of it was stupid but I just (laughs) couldn't stop I just can't I just don't have the power of self-discipline. Yeah, but I think that's also a good skill to start implementing, even if you are doing it to stop yourself going on TikTok and doom scrolling. Mm Because I feel like I'm really bad with self-discipline too. I have no discipline. I'm always like... I always think of you as being very disciplined, but I guess it's... That's the ADD stuff. That's like the regulating of ADD. I was talking to another friend who has ADD this week and she was she's older than us and she was just saying like I was talking to her about you and she just said you you seem so like together all the time. And I was like I think Izzy's just been really rigid and strict with like structures in her life to hide the ADD really well. Because mm. you don't, you're not someone who famously like misses deadlines by a long time or goes off the grid and disappears or like can't be relied on for stuff. Like you seem very disciplined and together, but yeah, and and that's from having such strict. I think that's what's the hard part about it is now I've gotten to the point where I regulate it so well because I'm so strict in my routines. But if one ball drops, I feel fucking crazy, and that's where like the mood swings come in it's the emotional dysregulation it's like being really snappy towards people you know like say you've experienced this a lot with me like say if some if there's like a slight change to a plan or something I'll be like un un what's the word inflexible yeah necessarily yeah yeah like upset or Mm -hmm. yeah inflexible or like angry really quickly or something and it's because I'm like I'm on such this thing that my brain can't my brain will like drop the plates if I'm not juggling them correctly. And then, yeah, if something pops up out of the blue, that's when everything kind of falls and that's when I'll have like breakdowns. Yes. I think what's really hard is like, so we wanted to talk about, I listened to a really great interview with Rick Rubin this week, who I feel like we're all just vaguely aware of as um, music producer who's worked with like every person ever. Um, and everyone in music is obsessed with, but I didn't really know that much about him. I'd never like watched an interview with him or was never that across him, but I listened to a couple of interviews with him about his new book, which has recently come out, which as I was talking to you about it, you have, and it's about how to live a more creative life basically. And in this interview, he was like talking about so much of the stuff I've been thinking about literally in the last week because of having an existential crisis and feeling like I'm like whittling my life away, being on fucking social media, mainly being on TikTok, sometimes Pinterest. 
but just like <laughs> wasting, you know what I mean? Just like wasting my life doing making dumb shit. Making some beautiful pins. Making those, I'm like the only gal left who's a big TikTok, a big Pinterester. I think a lot of girls are still on Pinterest. I think it's just not talked about because it's not social really. Yeah. Yes. Um, like I found I would even go to pee and bring my phone into the bathroom and then end up being in there for like 40 minutes doing shit on my phone. And I was like, this, <laughs> this like little loss of time <laughs> through the day adds up in your whole life to being a lot of just wasted time doing dumb shit. And this Rick, Ru- like Rick Rubin, how he talks about creativity. He's obviously like 60 and from a different era, I think. But I, it, it just made me think about how we're in this moment in time where the odds are stacked against us so fucking hard if we want to live like creative, introspective, artistic lives. Like there's just no economically with technology, climate, does, like everything is just conspiring to make it impossible to make room for that. Yeah, so I got given his book for my birthday and then didn't really know who he was at all. I was just like, oh, this is a cute book um, up my alley because it kind of feels a bit woo-woo. Because his his views on creativity and the way to be creative is quite woo-woo and I really love it. So he talks about believing in this. He talks about creativity as being a source outside of you that's always there. And you just have to be aware and in the moment um, to be able to access it. So he talks about like being present in your body. He talks a lot about, he meditates every day. He talks a lot about meditation. He talks a lot about manifestation. Um, And then he talks a lot about spirituality as well and, and believing in something bigger than you, no matter what it is. And he talks about belief as something that doesn't have to you don't have, it doesn't even have to be real. It doesn't have to be right. It doesn't have to, you don't even, it doesn't have to actually exist. It's just your belief in something bigger than you is, is so key to being creative. And he, even he talks about like things like um, being inspired by other people and how now as a culture, we really push away from that because we think every idea should be wholly original, but he's just Mm. like, every idea starts from somewhere else. Like, the greatest writers in the world read books by other writers who they were inspired by and who they wanted to like, I don't know. It's, it's like Joan Didion, for example, everyone thinks of as being this incredible great writer of, of that generation. And it's like, she was inspired all the time. All of her writing is about Mm -hmm. being inspired by those around her. The musicians coming in and out of her house, living in LA, the streets of LA. She was just so aware and so present and so like, um curious that that all came through her writing yeah and she would have felt like I mean I assume but I feel like this is how every creative thinks would have felt like her writing was like a bad imitation of the writers that she was obsessed with and I think Mm. for so long I've had like you and I have both talked about wanting to like write more creatively or write fiction or write books or all of this stuff and I think I've spent so long being so intimidated by people like that. And I read books that are so well written and I'm like, why should I even bother when stuff this good exists? Like it's just pointless. (laughs) And his attitude is all about shifting that inspiration to like, well, I just want to join this collective 
amazing human thing that we do, which is like, like he said something in the podcast and it kind of like made me teary, even though I'm not religious, but he was like, I think of creativity as like a giving a gift to God. And it's like, whatever God means to you, but it's the reason you're creating something is for no reason, except like add to this ether of human creation that you see in music or art or film or whatever. And if you can tap into that consciousness, then it doesn't, you don't worry about shit like how good it's going to be or what critics think of it or if your friends are going to think it's lame or if it's good quality or not. You're just like, I'm just doing this thing because it's a great thing to do. Yeah, and fulfilling. And that's that's such it as well because if you take away from worrying about what anyone else is going to think of it and you just do it, and then he basically said success to him is or what he what he considers success is doing something to the point where you're happy to just release it. Mm-hmm. He's like, that's success. It doesn't even matter if no one likes it. Like you being at that point in with your work where you're happy for for it to be released to the world and to let go of it and to start on the next project, that's you completing it and that is success. Um, but yeah, we get so caught up with what the outside world thinks of it. And it's so stupid as well, because I think of not to like single her out or anything, but I think of Meg Mason, the Australian writer, Mm. she wrote Sorrow and Bliss. And I think it was a really, really incredible book. So well-written, such an easy kind of like, I hate the chiclet kind of, I hate calling books that Mm. just an easy read while at the same time being so clever and smart and um it made me cry in parts and her first few books weren't that great in my opinion and Mm. she's even said to a friend she's like a friend of a friend she's took her L like right before us or at the same time as you or something and she said to a friend of ours that her first books she thinks are terrible now but it's like if she hadn't have released those books and gotten better at it like she wouldn't be at the point she is now it's so silly to think you can't just obviously you're not going to be incredible at writing a, a book the first time you write it and exactly. and even in sorrow and bliss the girl is a writer and she says that every writer's first book is crap because every writer has to get out that shit whether it's like stuff about them that they have to expel before they can move on to the next creative idea and we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're what? We're just like not doing it because we're too scared of it being bad. Exactly. And it's like you think about – I have this like working theory that I keep discovering is more and more correct, which is last year when I interviewed Tilda Swinton, she was saying that her dream is to be a writer. She wanted to be a poet and she wants you need to be a poet. And she's like, I have had writer's block for 40 years. And she feels constantly – like a failed writer. And she was like, acting is never what I wanted to do. I'm not really interested in it. It's fun. It's this thing I do on the side. I think every movie I'm going to be in is going to be my last movie. And that's why she's so fucking good at it is because she doesn't have this like attachment of her, like her whole identity as being an actor. And if she's bad at it, like the whole world, like she's just more willing to take risks and have fun and underthink it and be natural because she doesn't have this emotional attachment to it. And it's like us with our writing as journalists, it's just gotten better and better and better over time. Like the idea that the best thing we'd ever write as journalists was the first article we wrote is like hilariously insane. And if we ever read it back Mm -hmm. now, we'd be like just laughing. 
Work I read back from like a year ago. I hate. <laughs> when you Google my name, it comes up with here are Alexander Skarsgård's five brothers, which I wrote in like 2017. And that's like the number one indexed article. Oh my God, I know. I'm like, I just need to wipe the internet. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, Alexander Skarsgård is a hunk from Sweden. Here are his five brothers. He has five brothers. <laughs> Does he? <laughs> I don't know, actually. I can't remember. I think maybe just three. <laughs> but... Yeah, that idea of like so much of like being creative, I think so like we all just put way too much of our whole selves and are like, okay, I'm putting my entire selfhood as a person on the line for this. And it's like, of course, you're not going to do that and make time for that if that's what's at stake. You're going to avoid it. I'm just trying to find what page I took a photo of. <laughs> And his book. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He says, in the book, exposure to great art provides an invitation. It draws us forward and opens doors of possibility. If you make the choice of reading classic literature every day for a year rather than reading the news, by the end of that time period, you'll have a more honed sensitivity for recognizing greatness from from the books than from the media. This applies to every choice we make, not just with art, but with the friends we choose, the conversations we have, even the thoughts we reflect on. All of these aspects affect our ability to distinguish good from very good, very good from great. They help us determine what's worthy of our time and attention. Because there's an endless amount of data available to us and we have a limited bandwidth to conserve, we might consider carefully curating the quality of what we allow in. This doesn't just apply if your goal is to make art of lasting significance. Even if your goal is to make fast food, it will likely taste better if you're experienced the best fresh food available during, available to you during the process. Level up your taste. The objective is not to learn to mimic greatness, but to calibrate our internal meter for greatness so we can better make the thousands of choices that might ultimately lead to our own great work. Good. Love it. I feel like what a note to end on. What a gorgeous note to end on. So basically, we just need to think more about our time, which is what you're doing and what I want to start doing. Little things, like when when I was reading his book, I was just like, for God's sake, Isabel. It is not that fucking hard to meditate for 10 minutes every morning. Like, why don't you do it? You know it's good for your mental health. You know it's good for everything. Like, meditating is just the highest level of consciousness and you're just not doing it because you think you don't have 10 minutes in the morning to spare to, like, opening your mind. (laughs) I know. I think this is the thing about being adults that I – have to keep reminding myself is like no one's going to come in and save you and no one's going to come in and like wrap you on the wrist and say like do this and this and this because it's going to be better for you and you'll reach your potential it's like the only person who can do it and care about us enough to do that is ourselves and I think getting motivated in a really nice way even like check I just even think having these conversations like checking in with your friends and like being you know, it's like we just get into ruts of like what we talk about and what we do and everything. Yeah, I also, I think, yeah, I think we don't as as a society and even as each other, me and you, don't talk enough about creativity or work or like what we want to achieve or what's inspiring us or, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I 100%. Like you can get so and I think- much 
from your from those who are around you but we just get sometimes distracted talking about stupid shit because the stupid shit is thrown in our faces so often exactly. it's like things like when harry styles and M. Rada. it's like so funny because i think you get i think the girls everyone who listens to this podcast knows that when we talk about celebrity stuff we just find it funny but it's like yeah. when harry styles and M. Rada are hooking up in tokyo it's like I just couldn't care less. Like oh I literally God, couldn't care same. less. I don't care, and we both. I know we. I know we both don't care about it. Yeah. And and it's literally like I was like, okay, cool, whatever, and it'll be a funny thing to talk about on the podcast. And obviously, it like celebrity stuff can be like the Gwyneth Paltrow trial is funny, but it's like then that stuff starts to be in your brain too much because it's, I, I don't know. I think in a way the celebrity stuff in a massive way for me anyway, is just like a way of connecting with other people because it's like something that's everyone else is seeing. So you just laugh about it together. Exactly. That's what I think like social media has done. It's almost this like mass hypnosis and like homogenization of thought and discussion where everyone is just talking and thinking about the same thing or so it feels like for this tiny period of time. And then we all just like our focus just goes from here to over here to over here. You know what I mean? And it's just like nuts. And I think as well a huge part of this is that I just think capitalism has just gone so fucking bonkers in our generation in terms of like this obsession with monetizing every single thing we do that it's like – creativity and art is is there's just no space for it really it's just not discussed at all yeah because you feel you feel guilty if you're taking time to to chill which is Mm -hmm. you know you feel guilty if it's like I want to do a pottery course not because I want to sell ceramics (laughs) but because I think it would be a fun thing to do but I'm just like oh no time for that Yes, we're in this like hyper manic output era and it's like really sad. And I think that's why that we there are so few like great writers, like truly great writers or truly great movies or like I don't know that much about fine art, but like it just feels like we're in a bit of a our flop era as a human race. <laughs> like make, <laughs> making fucking like crypto and like digital banks and shit and like just no interesting <laughs> I know that people are going to be like, this person and this person, like, there is interesting creative work, but it's just not, it's way less of a thing. Yeah. I know. Everyone's just filming their cats for the TikToks that I'm seeing. Yeah. Everyone's like, I'm terrified of not having money, so I just need to be constantly hustling. That's how I feel. I feel like any moment I'm, like, not stressing about, the gig economy. Yeah, I kind of feel like that. I always feel like I just, I feel like I, I feel, yeah, I feel like that kind of, but I also just feel like I waste a lot of time that could be spent doing the shit that he's saying, or like making myself better, even just manifesting, thinking about goals, like doing my gratitude journal, doing the meditation. This is all stuff that I really want to do and doing more yoga and kind of being present in myself. I will just waste time like similarly online, but kind of less on TikTok, but I don't even know what I'm doing. It's like my brain, my brain is like, Mm. so when I just let my brain go, I will be like 
lying on the couch daydreaming for three hours about absolutely nothing. But I think that's good. I think this is what's hard about it is like so much of the time is even when like even the lens I think about creativity through is almost like an optimization lens. And that's where my head like explodes because I'm like, yes, how can I optimize my time to have time for creativity? And I actually do think you need to like very meaningfully carve out time to be creative in this day and age. But it's like that sh- you all like you also don't want to slip into being like, well, I waste this time just pottering around or doing nothing. It's like that time is also important. <laughs> yeah. Or even just the time you carve out being creative I, or even just the time you carve out to think of ideas and which is so necessary for any job that's mildly creative, like working mm. in like anywhere, like food, whatever. Um, I often find myself thinking because our, my, our job technically is writing. If I'm not writing, I mm-hmm. always think I'm fucking around. And you've always been quite good at that with me where you're just like, this is doing the work, like reading stuff, researching, mm. going for walks, thinking about the ideas. That always feels like to me that I'm mucking around, not doing something. Like I'm mm. like, unless I'm like typing on a fucking Word doc, I feel like I'm not doing my job. Whereas it's like actually you reading magazines, reading other writers' work, thinking, talking to people about these subjects – researching that is like the essential part of your job yeah if it's it's like if I'm not sorry it's like specifically if I'm not researching a story in particular if I'm just looking yeah, it out, yeah, yeah. it feels like I'm mucking around totally um but anyway we gotta go we gotta go um I'm gonna go to Pilates nice enjoy um special that's important as well that's part of being creative <laughs> exactly <laughs> Um, bye. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. You did something for the first.